watching all movies with Rebecca and Jason. Are you gonna love them or hate them? Here, Here comes the binge. binge. Hey everybody, welcome to The Binge, in which a couple of homos review the latest movie theater releases. I am Jason Leroy. And I'm Rebecca Olarte, and today we have three movies. Alien Covenant, Everything Everything, and Prevenge. And as always, we're going to rate these movies on a three-tiered scale, with Binge It being our highest rating. Consume in moderation means it's okay, but it's kind of meh. And as always, send it back means... Life's too short for that mess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's um, almost like a trivial rating to give at this point, given the state of the world. Right, that, what does that mean? It's like, mean? you know what's really, life's too short for a bad movie. It's life like, is too short, but I feel like that should change the scale. Like, mm. more things should be, life Life is too short for, more things should be a send it back, because life is now definitely even shorter, more short. Right, even shorter. Because um, if it's not nuclear war, it's going to be a stress-induced heart attack mm-hmm. or comfort-eating diabetes. I mean, we're losing our grunge stars uh, now. Yes. Very mm-hmm. alarming Very development. Topical. Very alarming and topical. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, I think that if, if, if it's all getting shorter, then, you know, why not spend it watching just shitty guilty pleasure movies? Mm. But that's where you and I are different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is where we are very different. <laughs> that's where we diverge. Um, so maybe there should be a fourth category Ooh. where it's like send it back and or send it back, and then someone else is like uh, go eating uh, trash from the back of the restaurant. Right. Exactly. Or we'll just call it like Rebecca Frown. <laughs> <laughs> you can hear it when I'm speaking. <laughs> <laughs> See, listen to that. Remember that sound. <laughs> um, so what's uh, what's been going on with you? Uh, well, uh, so you guys might know, um, or have picked up on the fact that we are not a sponsored podcast. Um, but despite the fact that we are not sponsored, I'm still about to talk about a major sponsor of many podcasts. And that sponsor is Blue Apron. (laughs) Uh, this is not an ad. Uh, so Scott and I decided to try Blue Apron, Mm -hmm. um, just because we are incredibly lazy and we have been ordering so much food in from Caviar. Um, yes, I'm telling you to your face that we're not using your wife's service anymore. Good to know. Um, no, so I mean, we love caviar. It's just that caviar is really fucking expensive. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And it you know, obviously depends where you're ordering the food from, but sure. it can be really pricey. And so, and but, the quantity of food. That and the ordering. quantity of food that you get. Um, but with Blue Apron, you end up paying the price of like really one two-person caviar order for like mm. a week's worth of food. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was our first week doing it, and it has been enlightening um because namely i would say that scott and i are both feeling very judged by the portion sizes mm, yeah interesting um so like when we first got it he opened it up and he was looking at it and he was like it's not gonna be a lot of food <laughs> and i was like well let's just be optimistic about it this is good this is portion control this is forced portion control and we eat too much and this is just going to train us on how to eat a, a, an appropriate amount of food what i'm picturing is what are those things called in the military it's like sres or smes it's like I don't know. the individual packet serving it's like the, your daily ration it comes like a little yeah it's bag. just like it's just it's just powdered it's just yeah, a series of yeah. little powder packets and then you just like mix water and you're like mm, steak mres Anyway, go ahead. MRIs? MRIs. Just because you're wearing military fatigues doesn't mean you know the terms. Um, so, uh, so we have been trying to do that throughout the week. And we definitely, when we had the first meal, we're talking about possibly switching our meal plan to a family of four. <laughs> <laughs> 
so that we would each have enough food. Would to... that de- then change the price back to how much it would cost for caviar? <laughs> no, because we really do spend an obscene amount on caviar. Okay. So that still wouldn't even, that would be like one and a half meals from caviar. Gotcha. Um, so, which we'll still use to, you know, treat ourselves on occasion. Mm-hmm. And plus, Blue Apron only sends like three meals for a week. It doesn't send you a meal for every night. Oh, can you... What? I don't want to go into the... This is definitely not a, a podcast not about... an ad. An ad for um, Blue Apron. Uh, but but our, our website, which is sponsored by Squarespace, is... Uh, <laughs> Let me just hop off my squatty potty and uh, <laughs> and uh, pull that up. And then uh, email your MailChimp. Right, exactly. From yes. the comfort of my Casper mattress. <laughs> uh, so none of these are sponsoring us. No. And I don't know about... I mean, aside from Rebecca's outspoken enthusiasm for squatty potties, I don't know that <laughs> The only of one of those... Actually, I have tried um, Casper mattress. Oh, was it, was it worth? Uh, it? Look at all this. Just Did it live up to the hype. It was great. I really <laughs> liked it. <laughs> you should see her face; she's glowing. I really did like it, and then I also have used Squarespace, which I really liked. Oh, was oh it this e- is terrible. I hear there's an easy drag and drop platform. <laughs> yes. <laughs> This is the worst. This is what everyone doesn't want to hear you, in a podcast. You guys hear this without even for money. This is terrible. <laughs> but point being, the great thing about Blue Apron is it makes it feel like you are cooking your own gourmet meal in your own kitchen. See, I can, I can, I can, I can make it personal. You really can't. So I mean, can the only thing you can do now at this point is trash it. I mean. So it sucks. Well, no. Did you like cooking all the time? That- I don't like cooking, but Scott likes cooking, oh. and uh, and you know, in it, but he, but he also hates. You know, he's a fundamentally very lazy person, as am I, and so he doesn't want to have to go out to the store and like find ingredients, and so this just gives you exactly what you need mm-hmm. to make what is meant to be a normal human adult size <laughs> dinner. <laughs> Which is not always. And then, I mean, we'll be like, oh, that was good. You know what? It's filling. And then you tell yourself that thing like, quality food is just more filling. And then four hours later, you're like eating the couch. <laughs> I was wondering why you're gnawing on my finger. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> uh, the catfish didn't quite hit the spot. Uh, so, but uh, but anyway, um, so that's what's up with me. Interesting. Uh, what's up with you? Um, let's see. What is up with me? I guess um, I am trying to plan a weekend um, this weekend. Where like my best friend and like almost everybody I know is out of town, mm. so I either need to hunker down and um, finish my book for book club, uh, get caught up and like maybe do extra work, um, but uh, that's about all I can think of right now. Mm. Otherwise, I'm gonna end up at the end up all night, <laughs> like I did last time. God. I feel like if I plan it ahead of time, then I won't end up at the end up for 14 hours. Dancing, love, which is something I don't even like really doing in the first you place. You don't at all. Mm-mm. I love how fearful you are of what you'll do if left to your own devices. I don't trust with, myself. Like, no human contact. I'm the worst. You're like, despite the fact that you're nowhere near the end up, you're like, I will somehow go there. Somehow. I just, I'll just right w- there. Wake up face down the floor with some sort of like deep house vibrating mm-hmm. through the floorboards right back into your skull. Yep. Intense. Last time. Intense experience. Uh, well, um, best of luck to you. Thank and you. Now, is that this coming weekend? That's this coming well, weekend. Well, you have Showgirls. Yeah. I am going to go see Showgirls. See, that's what scares me. Oh, because you're coming into the city. mm -hmm, You're going to pick up that gay energy in the Mm -hmm. room and just be like, I want to party. There's an after party, and I'm like, well, I'll probably end up there. I know. Well, it's at Bo. I don't even know what that is. That's not the end up. That's right in the Castro. That's a gay club in the Castro. Well, what's the. And Lady Bear's hosting it. open? 7 (laughs) a.m.? Why do you want to know that? Because I think I already kind of know that. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, I'm asking, but I know. So what would you like theoretically do between like when the party ends at Bo and then when the mix opens? Just like asking for a friend. 
<laughs> oh, I mean, the end up is really your only option. So I guess you're that, or you could just stay at Little Orphan Annie's uh, all night. Oh, and, or Orphan Andy's, rather. Andy's, yeah. I could just do like a waffle diner. A yeah, just a waffle thon. Waffle thon. And then just roll of... your ass down the down the Castro to the mix, <laughs> and like just open your mouth and be like, "Boring beer, please." <laughs> oh, it's gonna be. A treat when you roll up to my doorstep that Sunday afternoon. <laughs> you know I will. You know I will. <laughs> You'll be like, let's watch XX again. <laughs> That's my girl. Oh, what a time. What um, a time to be alive. Or I can maybe catch up on some movies that I didn't get a chance to see. Yeah. I could like pre-download them so that I am committed. Oh, and Get Out is now on video, so I can watch that again. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can take another dive into the sunken place. <laughs> and if you get on iTunes, you also get iTunes extras, including a director's commentary from Jordan Peele and an alternate ending that's actually very different from the ending in the movie. Oh, mm-hmm. well, that sounds interesting. Mm-hmm. I think that's also available on Google Play Movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, let's jump into Try our first find extras on Google Play movies. movie this week. Anyway, is back to Squarespace. <laughs> uh, Alien Covenant. Bound for a remote planet on the far side of the galaxy. Members of the Colony Ship Covenant discover what they think to be an uncharted paradise. While there, they meet David, a synthetic survivor of the doomed Prometheus expedition. The mysterious world turns dark and dangerous when a hostile alien life form forces the crew into a deadly fight for survival. heard there clearly was a few seconds of audio from msnbc <laughs> uh sorry to that was get the that latest, switched uh, up latest uh, pre- white house press briefing <laughs> a mistake we apologize um mm. but so as i feel like i ask you every week um this is the series and how familiar are you with it um i'm fairly familiar with it i mean i've seen all the movies oh okay um i haven't seen alien versus predator i'll say that but mm, yeah, so i've seen okay. alien aliens alien 3 prometheus i think that's it and now this new one this one this one falls in right between prometheus and alien right yes i believe that's uh, that's the score what do you think about that in general like with star wars and the movies that kind of like have a prequel and then sort of build this whole world before the story that you kind of you know i mean aliens came out we were pretty young Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of interfering the right. narrative you thought you had. I mean, it's clever. Uh, you know, I mean, I think that if it rings true, if they do it in a way that's clever and, and it rings true with the fans and doesn't feel like a betrayal of sort of what the whole thing is about. Okay, because I'm writing a uh, Great Gatsby origin story right now, and I'm just kind of wondering if it's going to take off or not. You're like, it's told from the point of view of his dog. Uh, stay with me. Um, it's his childhood dog. So it's only going to be there for his first 15 years. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> How dare you refer to the mortality of animals in the safe space? God damn it. I'm sorry. Okay, anyway, so uh, go yeah, on. Yeah. Um, so this film um, opens with uh, the crew of this ship uh, getting a rude awakening when the ship goes through a shockwave uh, leading to a malfunction that kills the captain um, mm. in his little pod. Uh, they're all sleeping in pods as they're going through their space travel. Um, Is this passengers? This is, I mean, Passengers really was, was cribbing quite a bit from the Alien hmm. movies. 
Um, and so uh, everyone's sort of like woken up within their sleeping pods. And then, um, and then unfortunately, tragically, the wife of the captain is looking over his pod while he's like incinerated inside of it. Mm. So it's a very stark, dramatic moment to open on. Until we see a photo of the whole uh, crew together. And we realize that the captain was James Franco. <laughs> and then we laugh. <laughs> Oh, and it's just one of those that's weird. just one of those inexplicable cameos where you just feel him winking at you from the camera. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's like, "Oops, teehee. with that like creepy look. And and does he come back in flashbacks? He does not. Oh my, that was so unnecessary. It's the Franco. There way. are so many people you could have put in that role and had that like instant like you know sadness and admiration well, and, for. And, and, and I didn't. I did not recognize him when he was in his pod, like burning to death. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't until uh, they showed a picture of the whole gang together later, and I was like. Are you kidding me? Oh, um, and you just see that, especially because he, it's, they're all smiling in the picture. So you just and see he that, has that, like, that goofy cringy, Franco grin. Like he has the, where exactly. his eyes get all squinty. Yeah, and you're just like, oh, you I mean, of, it's adorable, like, but <laughs> it's not like Captain Adorable. You're just it's like, like, got me again. <laughs> You've been uh, Franco'd. <laughs> Boom. You got Franco'd. So, um, so you get Franco'd right off the bat in this movie. Um, and, uh, and then we uh, just kind of go through the motions of meeting a whole new crew that we are about to watch get butchered in very gruesome ways. Um, yeah, I mean, that's good. How does that feel? Like, is the intro sort of set up to the characters and, you know, make you feel sympathetic for them? Does it feel like it's a waste considering you know exactly what's going to happen? Well, it's funny. Like, I always, um, you know, I always go into these movies knowing cognitively that, like, most of these characters are probably going to die. Um, but like at the beginning, I have this weird optimism, like maybe it'll all work out. Mm, and, it is like pet uh, ownership. <laughs> you're like to bring it back to dog mortality. I thought you didn't <laughs> want to talk about that anymore. Well, you already got me there. I'm <laughs> sorry. Um, so, but I will say for this film that it does not kill the characters in order of their reverse star power. Um, oh, does it by height? <laughs> yes. Uh, you're like, finally, <laughs> I win. Shorties win again. <laughs> Final girl. <laughs> Um, so yeah, no, it's, it's done kind of out of order. So it, there's an element of surprise, Mm. um, in how they kill everybody off. And, um, there was this, um, there's this weird essay on Vulture, um, our weekly Vulture reference. um, (laughs) Also not a sponsor. About, um, how these, these kill sequences in the alien movies are almost, they're like sex because as opposed to being like this idea that, oh, spoilers ruin things. They were saying, oh, some studies show that spoilers actually improve things because you know what to expect and you can appreciate it more because you're not wondering what's going to happen. And then they started trying to compare it to like, oh, like in this movie, um, you know, you know that you're going to have like the face hugger alien babies and you're going to have like the chest bursters Mm -hmm. and you know that you're going to watch most of this cast get butchered in that kind of way. And, but that makes it, you're like watching, even though you know that's coming, you're like, that makes you even giddier mm. um, because you're like, oh, here it comes. And, uh, and you're so excited. And the anticipation is so great. And they tried, yeah, being a lot of sexual analogies that I was very uncomfortable reading. But, <laughs> um, you know, I'm like, face hugger, what is that supposed to mean? Uh, so, uh, but yeah, it, it does not take anything away from it, but it does, it did leave me questioning, like, okay, how many times are we going to go through the motions with this kind of thing mm-hmm. of like how many crews do we meet and then watch get butchered one by one? Right. Um, but, uh, but I mean, with that said, it's, it's very, very, it's incredibly gory in a delightful way. Um, and it is incredibly tense and suspenseful. And, you know, there are some questions that are hovering in the air the whole time. So it's not just like, okay, now we're just going to kill them all. Like there are some things you're wondering and, it even gives you a classic horror movie kill in the end 
because there's like a couple boning in a shower mm. and they get killed and in a very bloody way. Is one of them Lisa Kudrow? <laughs> No, I mean, this is still a less unsettling shower love scene (laughs) than Lisa Kudrow's shower love scene from Table 19 with Craig Robinson. Uh, So the good callback. Thank you. Um, So, and it's still, I mean, this movie is directed by Ridley Scott, Mm -hmm. who is uh, just, you know, consummate filmmaker, of course, one of the great visionaries of cinema, um, who once again um, displays just... Uh, profound capacity at world building and creating a mood and, and setting a tableau and and just getting that icy tension moving and even though having you know what is ultimately a pretty simple story unfolding mm-hmm. um, just makes it feel like such a sensory experience um how do you th- which of the alien movies were you are you like a big fan of the original alien movie um, I know, like, everyone says you're supposed to, you know, love that first one. And I certainly appreciate, you know, what it represented. Or um, Sigourney Weaver? Um, yes. And, you know, just what it represented in terms of how quiet it was and how unexpected it was mm-hmm. when it came out. Um, you know, Aliens is certainly one of James Cameron's best movies. Um, you know, a lot more sort of conventionally satisfying. Oh, I forgot about Alien Resurrection when I was listening oh, to the movies. Right. Um, sorry to anyone out there who was shouting Alien Resurrection into their phone um, while listening to that part. <laughs> I mean, Alien 3 by David Fincher, I think, was really, really great. Certainly maligned at the time, um, but I think was kind of an unappreciate, underappreciated gem. Alien Resurrection, hopefully we can all agree, was just an, a Euro trash nightmare. Um, <laughs> what happens when you let the City of Lost Children directors take over the Alien <laughs> franchise and throw an owner rider in there for good measure. Um, and Prometheus, I love the look of it, but this is the most conventionally... So Alien um, uh, Covenant is the most conventionally entertaining of mm. the Alien movies since Aliens. Okay. Is there something about Michael Fassbender I should know about Ooh. this movie? So Michael Fassbender, um, there are two of him in this movie. Um, so he plays um, this sort of um, AI cyborg prototype mm-hmm. um, who is exists in two different places. There is He plays this original prototype that we first met in Prometheus, and that character returns in this. And then he also exists as the latest model of which that character mm. was like the prototype. And it's been developed since then. So V1, V2. V1, V2. And um, although there may have been many Vs between the two. There could um, be many Michael's it, or, original, original build and then latest build. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, there is... Uh, and these two droids, uh, they tend to really ask the question of... Like, once they start to bond... They really start to ask the question of whether humans deserve to go on living as a species, which is also a big topic of conversation among proponents of Trump care. So it feels very, <laughs> very, very topical in that sense as well. But um, but uh, no, the two fastbenders, the big the big headline here is that there is a strong homoeroticism between the two fasties, which I feel like is not just there for those of us who are deeply attracted to him. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's a scene where one fassy teaches the other how to play, like, the recorder. Um, oh, like the hot cross buns instrument? <laughs> yeah, so as you can imagine, um, <laughs> two fassies <laughs> do some hot cross bunning. Um, but, no, there's, like, you know, so you, it's like, okay, so now, now you know, put your lips on it, now blow, and I will finger it. Uh, wow. Yeah, I mean, it's it's... It's like I was like looking around the theater, like is anyone else picking up the heat coming off the screen? <laughs> um, and, and then th- they probably kick you out. And then, and then, as I was being removed from the theater, I looked back just in enough time to see the two fast benders actually kiss each other on the lips. Oh, really? Yes. 
Interesting. It happens. Don't That's don't. That's one of the. Uh, don't believe headlines that say they make out. They don't make out, but they more, do. They do kiss each other on the lips, and I was like, "This is my thing. This is my fetish." Now you found it. I found it. Um, that's. I feel like that's one of the more underexplored uh, repercussions of um, AI is um, mm. the uh, ability for uh, I don't know for them to fall in love with each other um, <laughs> as themselves. It hasn't been explored enough. No, it hasn't. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. We also have Catherine Watterson. Yes, we do. Who's a great actress and mm-hmm. who boldly takes her father's haircut for this movie. <laughs> like Circa Grey Cir- Gatsby Cir- or like Law and Order SV or Law and Order regular Law and Order? Excuse very, me. very classic. Let's say like serial mom era Sam Watterson. Okay. Uh, hmm. Yeah, I guess Catherine adopts his hair for this film, so which is a, a, a strong choice, and I applaud her for it. Uh, <laughs> she's great in the film; she really is. I think she's you know she's she's one to watch. Everything I've seen her in, it's I've, definitely one I've, of her bigger biggest roles so far. Uh, I would say so, just in the sense that she's essentially the lead. Mm-hmm. Um, she was in Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them as well, so that was certainly True. a huge yeah. movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, she was great in Paul Thomas Anderson's Inherent Vice. She was. Um, she as Shasta. As Shasta, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, she was great in Queen of Earth opposite Elizabeth Moss. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, she's she's a, a tremendous actress. Unfortunately, she doesn't resemble her father to a distracting degree because <laughs> that would make it really <laughs> difficult to watch her, I think. Um, so that's not an issue here. But, no, she's wonderful. Um, Fassbender really is. He's tremendous. Um, and then one thing you have to get used to them doing, though, is everyone aboard this ship, above aboard Covenant, when they address the OS, um, you know, in the way that we might say, like, "Hey Siri" or "Hey Pandora" or whatever, what's what's the what's the Amazon one? Um, I don't know, like, "Okay Google." Right. <laughs> okay, and now my phone. Hold on. <laughs> oh, see, just too quick on the draw. I activated my phone. I, we may have just activated a bunch of people's phones. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> uh, so for them, what they refer to the OS as is "mother." I knew you were gonna say that. So it's the Mike Pence. And so it just always feels like Mike Pence like asking his wife for permission to like, <laughs> you know, to shower or something. He's like, mother, is a, you know, they were just like, mother, can I please do this? Mother, may I? It's a weird mother, may I situation that currently just always sounds like Mike Pence. I think the word mother has been forever tainted by our vice president and hopefully soon to be president. <laughs> uh, that makes me want to show you this this new thing that I did, which is um, may, we may replace the what's up with me. OK, hold on a second. What's my name? <laughs> I uh, I told my Google to call me boss, so that's a quick aside. Um, do we have that we have the same alien race as we? Um, I guess race is a weird term. It's, um, yeah, I mean alien race. Aesthetic, yeah. same alien aesthetics as uh, as usual here. Uh, yeah, yeah. You see all the usual, all all the ga- the gangs all here. <laughs> Got the band back together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you see you see all of it. You see all of them, and you see uh, everything they're capable of. Excellent. Yes. Um, what are you gonna give this one? Um, you know, this whole time I actually haven't thought about that. Um, <laughs> the question is coming. Uh, I'm gonna give it uh, a consume plus. Mm, okay. Uh, so you know, because it, it really does. Um, you know, it's really just a, a, a very well-made, well-acted sort of genre film. It doesn't really um, touch greatness, I'd say. But, I mean, it's 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 very, very tense, and it delivers the goods. I can't imagine a fan of the Alien films watching this and not getting the kind of um, thrill ride that they expect mm-hmm. from the Alien film out of this movie, especially since the last several have been somewhat more subdued. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it could possibly be dinged on not doing enough to sort of further the mythology. Like, it, it, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of a, 
you know, as opposed to Prometheus, where it was like really um, going after some huge questions uh, about like the world and about existence and about how this all began. Um, this movie is just kind of like, well, let's just throw this kind of alien slasher movie into the series now just to, you know, for some quick, dirty fun. And that's kind of how Alien Covenant comes across. Oh, quick question. Yeah. Say you've never seen any of the alien movies. Let's <laughs> just say there's like someone out there who hasn't seen a one of them. One of these people. Would you start with Prometheus and then this one and then go forward? Or would you start with Alien and then work in chronological order of mm-hmm. release date? Uh, well, first, I would make sure that they understand what movies are and what moving pictures represent. And <laughs> just get them up on the basics. First, but... you uh, get them out of that room. They've <laughs> been trapped in someone's backyard. And you know, make sure that their captor has been arrested. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would say... Um, mm, say I Rebecca. Mean, I would say, I would say, Rebecca Olarte, here's what you should start with. Um, I don't know. It's interesting because I, I think that... Uh, part of the fun of Prometheus is having already watched the other films and, mm. and knowing what it is that they're trying to set up. Um, so I would say probably start with Alien. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. I'll tell my friend. Um, <laughs> Alien Covenant is rated R for sci-fi violence, bloody images, language, and some sexuality nudity. And that brings us to our second movie of the week, which is Everything, Everything. Maddie is a smart, curious, and imaginative 18-year-old who was unable to leave the protection of the hermetically sealed environment within her house because of an illness. Ali is the boy next door who won't let that stop them from being together. Gazing through windows and talking only through texts, Maddie and Ali form a deep bond that leads them to risk everything to be together, even if it means losing everything. Dear mom, I know staying in this house keeps me alive, but this isn't living. I want to experience everything. Everything. Maddie, what are you doing? Go back inside. No, Holly, I have to know if I'm really sick. And the only way that I'll know is if I'm outside. So we left in a little bit more of that Beyonce song, uh, probably than we needed to. Because You're welcome. You wanted to hear it, and it's probably against the law to cut it out. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it would be considered an act of aggression against mm-hmm. the beehive if mm-hmm. we... Didn't play it in its entirety, and I'm wondering: Does anyone know what that song that is? Because it's not an album. It's not. I'm not, not recognizing it from any like album cuts or anything. Mm-mm. So I don't know if this is like a, an exclusive soundtrack song. Oh, which would make sense because this is actually like this movie is kind of like hashtag Black Girl Magic because it stars Amanda Stenberg, mm-hmm. um, who's been an outspoken activist ever since she was uh, absurdly um, uh, trolled by racists when she was cast in the Hunger Games movie. Um, it's directed by an African-American woman named Stella Meggie. Um, I saw her first film, Gina the Joneses, a really delightful romantic comedy at Toronto last year. And uh, it's based on an, uh, a book by Nicola Yoon, an African-American author. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, so it would make sense uh, that there was some... Let's see. The song is called Runnin', Lose It All, which is a collaboration from the English producer Naughty Boy with uh, Beyonce and Aero Benjamin. And does it say where it's from? I think it's just for the movie. Ooh. I mean, that changes everything. It really does. Binge it. Everything. (laughs) Can't stop doing it. It changes everything. Everything. Excuse me. Everything. (laughs) We finally broke you. Uh, So, yeah. So you're welcome for the Beyonce. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know that despite its, you know, uh, how uh, awesomely inclusive uh, the movie is and and how rare it is for there to be a YA romance starring uh, any lead of color, mm-hmm. let alone with the black female lead. Mm-hmm. Um, the movie itself, now Rebecca and I saw this one together, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and this, 
I was worried it was really going to trigger your complete loathing of stories about teenage girls. Um, cross-reference our Before I Fall episode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, it did not. And it did not. It did not uh, Did not uh, ring those bells for you. No, it didn't. Those I mean... Hate bells. <laughs> I think this movie... Um, I, I think that we have to just very clearly state that, like, this is not a movie for adults. <laughs> if you are an adult, um, you will probably find this movie boring. I mean, I, I think this movie is uh, really pretty fantastic for a YA movie and if you are caught up in what's going on in your teenage years and the roller coaster of emotions especially in dire circumstances this will probably be very I feel like even a teenager like what I'm thinking of like 15 to 18 it would be even too not enough for them because mm-hmm. I feel like they're you know kids these days but I feel like if you're like 10 this is like the perfect movie. I feel like mm-hmm. as a young adult movie, this movie is very positive. Um, it's uh, interesting. It's beautiful. The characters mm-hmm. are lovely. Um, there, there's like really nothing bad to say about it. But as an adult, it's just not very interesting. Yeah, I could see it working, especially for that younger sort of tween group, because the whole thing sort of feels like a metaphor for the way that first love opens up your world. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so we have the sort of boy in the bubble type scenario. Mm-hmm. Uh, in which we have this character, Maddie, who, um, you know, who has, from the time she was a very, very young girl, been forced to stay within her house because of an illness that she has. And uh, and then, you know, we're to believe. It's one of those things where there's like those kinds of clunky bits of exposition mm-hmm. um, where it seems like mother and daughter are learning new things about each other, even though they've been sharing a house with only themselves for 18 years. Right. It's not at all like... Where she's a... like, tell me about dad. Or like, was dad like that? It's like, oh, really? This has never come up until now. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, And then the mother's played by uh, Annika Noni Rose, who is a tremendous actress who I've loved since Dreamgirls. Mm-hmm. Um, who brings quite a bit of gravity and complexity to mm-hmm. a role that I think on the page could have read very sort of one-dimensional crazy mother scold. Agreed, agreed. Um, so she's great. Uh, and but the whole you know the whole movie has just such a gentleness to it. You mm-hmm. feel like you could just like knock the whole thing over with a bacteria tainted feather. <laughs> I mean, it was also uh, so quiet. Mm. Um, I, I could hear someone's stomach rumbling like two seats over from me. I could hear every breath you took, which is. <laughs> Which Far is, too many. I apologize for all that. You have, uh, I, you have I waking had, apnea. It's really I, upsetting. <laughs> I had wolfed down a foot long from Subway <laughs> just moments before I got into that theater. So my body was processing it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very quiet movie. Um, yeah, very gentle. Very sweet. Um, I don't know. I really well, don't. I mean, know, that's the thing. I really don't have much to say about it. Because we can't well, knock it the way we knocked other movies. Like, I would never want to tell a tween to not see this. I would mm-hmm. highly recommend seeing it. Well, I mean, I think that it's still, I mean, as someone who watches a lot of teen movies, I think that it's still, (laughs) it's a little anemic. um, Mm. And it's so, it's gentle to the point that like nothing, (laughs) very little happens um, in any way that would sort of like jolt you as a viewer. Like it's Mm -hmm. a, it's a supremely placid viewing experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're just kind of just smooth cruising right through it. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, and I think it's that one of the things that bothers me is that, and again, you know, to your point, this is not intended for all audiences, but one of the things that killed me was, so these, these, these two teenagers, and especially because we're told that she's turning 18 as the film starts, mm-hmm. which I will never hear that and not think she gonna fuck. Um, but, uh, so she's turning 18 and she has a bedroom window and that bedroom window happens to look directly into the bedroom window of this beautiful boy, um, who was the next door, who's played by Nick Robinson, Mm -hmm. um, from Jurassic World World and from the Kings of Summer for which I interviewed him 
in a hotel room um, along with the two other teenage boys that he started the movie <laughs> with. And I felt like I was going to be uh, off. Interview. There was going to be a table full of sweet tea that I was going to just suddenly <laughs> disappear. And I was going to be offering to them. Before, never before saw, was, never heard that interview. Interesting. I was dragged away. Uh, and Nick Robinson in this film has been given Harry Styles hair. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, you know, cross promotion, I guess. Why not? Get that. Get that Styles hair. And... Um, so when they had this looking into this bedroom windows thing, I was reminded, of course, immediately of American Beauty. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was further reminded of American Beauty um, because we have like some kind of low grade Ricky Fitz ripoff going on with the storyline that Ollie has in his home mm-hmm. because he has an abusive father mm-hmm. and sort of a scared, quiet mother. Um, and he keeps trying to, you know, he wants to like run away or something. And so, you know, and then he just, you know, his one, um, you know, respite is to stare across his, out him, his window and ogle the oddball girl next door. But as opposed to where American Beauty had sort of the courage of his convictions to depict like this actual, like honest, sort of sensual, sexual relationship between them. In this movie, they just giggle and text, which felt just bogus. It just felt like it's something hmm. that only American movies do. Only an American movie would tell this story and not address any sort of actual sexual charge between them. I mean, they when they end up getting a hotel together, I was way, late to believe where they think they have sex. Way, way later. Uh, uh, just the idea that they're just sort of like sitting there, just the, it was all entirely too sweet, and it just felt very sort of sanitized to me. Yeah, I guess I sort of could see it being, uh, it made more sense as like, like a TV movie or like a, you know, Disney TV movie. Yeah, it did have a Disney TV movie kind of vibe to it. Because I'm sorry, no teenage boy wouldn't have tried to like get her to like flash him at some point through the window or like gotten his wang out. This is just not, this is teenage boys, this is what happens. Uh, I'm sure you are the expert from that from, on that, that. from that hotel but, room uh, <laughs> time. I saw Nick Robinson. I can tell you what he does when he looks not, out bedroom windows. That's that. Again, I feel like that would be again like trying to make a totally different movie. If you're making a movie for adults, like sort of like about teenage right. life in American that way. Beauty was for adults, sure. But I think that that for what this movie is supposed to be, I think that that was totally. I mean, she doesn't know what really what she's doing. Like mm-hmm. I don't know, she's not very socialized. She has no friends other than her nurse, who looks like a Hispanic Jerry Blank. <laughs> That was which is a thought that Rebecca was... and I had independently, <laughs> <laughs> which is our apologies to the actress for all for having a, a, um, a diverse the... cast. The uh, the nurse was a little uh, too too stereotypical. A little too uh, well, you know. But at least we also have like her daughter, who is sort yeah. of the only friend. Mm-hmm. I was also I was like, really, movie? You're gonna play mm-hmm. it like that? Um, but uh, yeah, that did seem a little um, uh, stereotypical. So that was good to knock it for that, but. And, you know, I get that it is, you know, a different kind of movie, but still, uh, it's just something that you only find in American movies. Um, the, yeah. The, 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 I mean, I don't think there's like a big market for like uh, movies like made for tweens in other countries. Is there? Well, you know, know, and I don't know that this movie thinks of itself as being made for tweens. I mean, I think that we, you are kind of categorizing it that way just through, you know, as a criticism being like, okay, this movie would make the most sense for like a tween audience. I don't, but isn't it a young adult book? Well, yeah, but why it doesn't necessarily mean like tweens necessarily. Hmm. Um, you know, so I think anyone who's, you know, not 17 yet who, you know, can't see an R movie in a theater is, you know, this is the kind of movie that, uh, that they're thinking of for 
those audiences. Mm-hmm. But with that said, yeah, I guess all I could keep thinking was all the different movies I wanted to be instead of the movie it was. Like, I was like, what I would love to see is like the Todd Solon's version of this. Oh, sure. Uh-huh. Um, you know, with two leads that actually look as sickly as the characterizations rather than the beaming pictures of health we see in Amanda Stenberg. Yeah, and she Nick really Robinson. looks fantastic. I mean, just the most, just radiant. Mm-hmm. Radiant. Yeah, it's kind of remarkable. I cannot think of anyone who's ever looked healthier in a movie <laughs> in all of history than Amanda Stenberg. Red flag number one. In this movie. No right. spoilers. Exactly, but... exactly. And uh, Nick Robinson is, you know, a pouty pretty boy. And so I was like, oh my God, it'd be so funny to have like a Todd Salon's version of this that took place in New Jersey. And it was about a girl who is like just like dying and has nothing going on for her. And this like loser guy moves to the next door and he's mm-hmm. like, hey. She's like, hi. She's like allowed to have a dachshund. Exactly. <laughs> yes. And especially because not only, so we've talked about her characterization, but Nick Robinson, Ollie, is meant to be this, like, oh, I'm, like, this, like, weird goth guy who wears all black, Mm -hmm. and I'm kind of edgy and bleak, and I, you know, and it's like, okay, like, none of this is coming across Mm -hmm. in any way that you're presenting yourself Mm -hmm. physically or emotionally in this movie. Uh, So, yeah, so it definitely is not attempting to have any sort of authenticity to the casting Mm -mm. in that sense. No. Um, I kept spending the whole movie being, like, uh... Wouldn't it be funny if this, like, and then they just break through the wall, and then, like, someone just accidentally wants a dog in the house, and then accidentally this happens, and just sort of all of the, because it's, like, set up on these very I mean, fine, like, this could, you can never go outside, right. you can never do this, um, that just, like, all of these yeah. things that would, you know, then the fire I alarm know. goes off, and then what does she do? <laughs> oh, well, I think we kept, she, I mean, like, I kept thinking of funny things that would kill her. Yeah, oh, yeah, and then, uh, so, you know, they take this this trip in, in the movie, and it's like, and then I'm just thinking of all the, like, logistical stuff, like, okay, well, how did she get an ID to get on the plane? It wouldn't be funny <laughs> if they, like, dragged her off the plane, and it would end up being, like, one of those Delta things, and she, she thought she was she's getting like, away, but then she's, like, being she wouldn't know any better, detained so she'd be by like, Homeland this is, Security. This is what happens, I guess. It's this like, I'm world. so happy to be living, and this, she's, like, being interrogated this by... This world's amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, um, and if you guys have seen the trailers, you know that she does go out of the house and go on this vacation. Um, but, uh, because the trailer really shows you pretty much the whole movie minus like the last five minutes or so. But I was convinced that given like the, the rarefied filtered air that she'd been exposed to that the second that she sat down in all that fart air on an airplane <laughs> that you guys all know what we're talking about here, just that recycled fart air you only have on airplanes. I was so like, that's, bad. that's going to kill her. That's going to kill her right in her seat. She's not going to make it to Hawaii. And then I was thinking about it cause like allergies are really bad this year and there's super bloom. And I was like, there's no super bloom. You're like, you're like, super super bloom. bloom. They're in California. She would be dead immediately from super bloom. I almost died from Super Bloom. Man. And then, like, there was a trailer for a movie that, that's coming out about this kind of oh, like yeah. weather thing that happens. Yeah, and all these, and there's this big ending scene porn. where this big plane comes out of the sky. And I was like, well, what if that happens? And all this, like, beautiful <laughs> irony where if she leaves the house, she dies in some other unexpected way. Like, as soon as she pulls out the driveway, like, a drunk driver comes down the road and just, like. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It was, it was the kind of movie that it's so, it's so, um, it's so well it's so it's so beatific that you're just kind of like mm-hmm. just thinking about like your nasty outcomes for that yeah. could happen that would make it more entertaining to watch but oh one thing we also talked about after the movie was that this movie is similar to a quiet passion in the sense that you know mm. neither of them do much with the imaginations of their like homebound characters mm-hmm. yeah she uh you know she's very smart and she takes all these classes online and she has all this dialogue so much to say about the world and her perspective and then so much she wants to say with him and, and they sort of like visualize these text only related conversations that they have mm-hmm. uh, through the uh these like she architectural these models. models that she's building mm-hmm. um and yeah it could have been done a lot better there. yeah there's like this like space 
person that's there because it's like her way of I don't know she like identifies with the space Miranda astronaut. he's like isolated she like feels like she has to walk through life in this like space suit or something mm-hmm. or else she'll die by her, her surroundings I guess mm-hmm. which was also done in the movie Kicks uh, that came out last year there was mm-hmm. a little boy who really saw himself oh. as a space uh, astronaut also known as the film for which Rebecca passed up the chance to talk to Mahershala Ali okay <laughs> just in case anyone forgot uh, you mean Academy Award winning <laughs> oh. uh, best actor oh he did win that supporting actor yeah mm, yeah uh, well you know you win some you lose some <laughs> You know, I think it, it was funny, though, how this movie could be read as a story about how, like, a white man's influence can destroy a black woman's life. That is true. So that was fun. I mean, you see what you want to see. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I, I do think, so Stella Maggie, the director, I do think that she has a great touch. I think that, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a, a point of view here, and I think there's a, an assuredness, and you just there's a really controlled tone, like we're saying. Mm-hmm. It happens to be a very sleepy tone, mm-hmm. but it's a very controlled tone nonetheless. And the soundtrack is gorgeous. Lots yep. of really gorgeous female vocal, electro pop. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and the Beyonce song. And the Beyonce song. I feel like, um, sort of when we think about movies, even a movie that I think we would both say, we both said binge it in was our pick of the uh, year. Mm-hmm. Last year, one of the picks of the year was Zootopia. And I think that while this isn't quite as at all hard hitting as Utopia, having movies like this in the world are good. And it's not giving a pass to movies because it, you know, is uh, has le- leading mm-hmm. uh, female of color. But it's also the story is, you know, good enough for someone of that interest group, uh, interest group age wise, um, that it's good that it exists. It's good that someone's mm-hmm. going to grow up and this movie is yeah, going to be one thing that they see I mean, when they're yeah, 10 and it's huge. fantastic. Um, so what are you giving it? Um, consume moderation. Yeah, I mean, my 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 uh, review would be very like if you are over seventeen, I would probably say not send it back because it's not bad, but right, it's, it's definitely not a... nothing you would ever want to watch. Yeah, I can't imagine. Um, you know, I, I, it's not like an airplane movie because it's no. kind of boring, and it's just like you're kind of like shrugging the whole time, like okay. So, mm-hmm. but I mean, if you enjoy a romance, if you enjoy a YA romance in particular, then I think that you'll still enjoy it. If you're babysitting your ten year old cousin, it's a binge it. Uh, it's rated, uh, it's rated, sometimes I look at the wrong ratings, it always tickles me. I was looking <laughs> at the one for, for Prometheus and it was, yeah, sci-fi violence, but no, it's rated PG-13 for thematic elements and brief sensuality. And that brings us to Prevenge, which is our pick of the week. Pick of the week. Pick of the week. Pick, pick, pick is the pick, pick of the week. This dark comedy follows Ruth, a pregnant woman on a killing spree. It's her misanthropic unborn baby dictating Ruth's actions holding society responsible for the absence of its father. The child speaks to Ruth from the womb, coaching her to lure and ultimately kill her unsuspecting victims. Struggling with her conscience, loneliness, and a strange strain of prepartum madness, Ruth must ultimately choose between redemption and destruction at the moment of motherhood. At the end of the day, you've got this force of nature now inside you. Baby knows what to do. Baby will tell you what to do. It's just nature's way. I think nature's a bit of an arse, though, don't you? You're insane. I am a working mother. Children these days are really spoiled. Like, Mummy, I want a PlayStation. Mummy, I want you to kill that man. <laughs> Listen to the sound of my voice. Baby knows best. 
Uh, so, guys, Prevenge is a movie that actually has been available on VOD for um, about a month, month and a half. Hmm. It still is on VOD. You can rent it on iTunes. But this weekend is when it's opening theatrically in San Francisco at the Roxy hmm. <clears throat> on 16th. And it's going to be playing there, I think, for at least a week. So I definitely recommend, if you're in San Francisco, to go check out Prevenge on the big screen at the Roxy. This was one of my completely out of left field sleeper favorites at TIFF last summer, mm. last September. And, um, you know, I, I went into it not knowing much. Um, you know, I was vaguely aware of who Alice Lowe was. Alice Lowe is the writer, director, and star of this movie. And um, she's sort of like a British cult film figure. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, <laughs> I think I saw this movie at like 930 in the morning. Um, and, you know, and as you heard from Rebecca's description, is a movie about a pregnant woman who goes around <laughs> murdering people. But, um, you know, just the, the British humor <laughs> of it all mm-hmm. um, was, uh, was very appealing to me, despite how early it was. And, um, and so I went along for the ride. Um, and uh, this kind of this, this humor of this woman, Ruth, and the, uh, the great internal conflict that she feels about this path that she's going on since her, you know, uh, OB is saying, like, just listen to your baby. It'll tell you what it wants. What the baby's <laughs> telling her to do is to kill. Uh, so, which is delightful. Um, Alice Lowe, when she got pregnant, she was getting a lot of feedback from people in the film industry. Like, don't tell anyone ever because, you know, like, this will take you, like, not only will they not call you for the next nine months, they won't call you for the next five years because, oh. because they're like, this will, you know, they just think that you basically, you're just destroyed completely. Like, you are no longer, you will, you will never look like yourself again. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so she was like, well, then fuck it. I'm just going to, like, t- take control of this narrative and I'm going to make this movie. And she actually is physically the pregnancy you see her have in this movie is a real pregnancy oh really like she is actually fully pregnant um while she's making this movie while she's uh shooting these graphic murder scenes <laughs> that she's carrying out and um <clears throat> so i think there's a you know there's a lot of layers to the screenplay in terms of its sort of funny commentary on the madness of being pregnant mm. um and you know the ways that you know um you know things start to get a little murky uh maybe in the way that you are experiencing perceiving the world and just various kind of grudges you might have uh, mm. and resentments against how people treat you differently. Um, and uh, and so it has that sort of, you know, cutting cultural social commentary, but while also having a very personal story, um, we find out gradually that the father of the child has died in a, in a, in a climbing accident and, um, and that Ruth has not come to any sort of peace about it and that she holds the people who he was with responsible. Uh-huh. Um, and so she is kind of off trying to not just kill any old gross dude, but also kill those people um, who were with him and, and in her mind possibly were responsible for um, him falling to his death. Uh, so uh, so there's, a, there's, there's, there's the dark comic layer, but there's also like sort of a rich emotional character layer uh, mm-hmm. to what we have in this story. So the, the baby actually has a voice. The baby does have a voice. That you can hear as the audience. Yeah. Yeah, the baby that we hear, uh, yeah, just in voiceover. It's not. It doesn't show us like an evil fetus, like you know, like <laughs> waving its, its, you know, pointing a finger and making stabbing motions. Um, yeah, no, we just have a voiceover um, that you know will show up and whenever. And she, and she has a lot of scenes where she's just talking back and forth with this baby voiceover, <laughs> and um, and she just comes across as so funny and smart, and uh, you know, which I mean, just British humor. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, so she is very much epitomizing that, and then just trying to sort of like reason 
woman with this like insane, you know, demon baby voice that's telling her what to do. And she just resigned and she's like, well, you know, the baby wants me to do this. I'm sorry. I know nothing personal. Uh, so yeah, it's, 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 it's a treat. It's not the first horror movie that has to deal with pregnancy, right? You have, um, Rosemary's Rosemary's baby baby. and we have, Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And anti-birth and we had anti-birth. We had anti-birth last (laughs) Last year. year. Mm -hmm. Um, do you think that part of it, I mean, I know this is kind of a different story because she wrote it and directed it Mm -hmm. herself, but does it seem, do you feel like Hollywood approaches that whole, like, um, you know, like male fear of like what the whole thing is about as being part of the horror? Or do you just feel like because it's such a, a pivotal, interesting, odd thing that we do as procreate, um, mm-hmm. it, it, there, it therefore becomes like a prime fertile ground for uh, <laughs> making a horror movie, if you would say that. I would say that. Well, <laughs> I'm like, what? I, can I? I don't know. But, uh, you know, I think that this is certainly a film that tells it very much from like an extremely, not only a female perspective, but from an isolated female perspective. Mm. So I think it's very that, much about someone being left. Yeah. So I think any any woman who's ever sort of felt like she was on oh, she was on her own, left to her own uh, while she's been pregnant, I think will relate to some of the frustration and confusion and madness that Ruth experiences in this story. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's not like a you know it's not like a how to expect when you're expecting type <laughs> sort of like sisters. Like she kills women too in this story, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and you know, and part of it I did wish. In the beginning, so in the beginning, when we first see her killing, there's this one hilarious kill toward the beginning involving this, like, grotesque, lecherous DJ at some, like, dodgy pub. Um, and, um, and and you're just cheering it on because he's so grotesque and such, you know, and such a misogynist and so sexist. And you're like, yes. <laughs> and so it, 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 it almost has a similar arc to Monster, uh, the Charlize oh. Eileen Wuornos movie. Um, because, you know, like that film starts off with her, you know, you know, killing somebody who was in the process of raping her. And then she goes around sort of like handpicks these guys who are similar kinds of guys. But then by the end, she's kind of killing people where you're like, oh, that's somewhat a more sympathetic person. And that person hasn't really done anything to you. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, uh, so this movie kind of takes you on a similar trajectory. Do you feel sympathy for the character or understanding for for the character? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean like the movie, you know, I think that Ruth is presented as, um, I mean, since Alice Lowe is so likable and relatable as as a, as a presence and as a performer, you are with her um, and you also are accepting that like her sense of reality has been blinkered. Mm. Um, and so she's not quite in her right mind, even though she seems still very sharp and, you know, she's constantly plotting and figuring out how to like keep checking down the names on her list. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, and she's, she's always sympathetic, especially when we find out more and more about this backstory involving her or the baby's uh, uh, father. Uh, so, uh, but you know, it it is that kind of it's a unique perspective on it. It mm-hmm. didn't remind me of any real other thing I've seen. <laughs> it also has uh, the benefit of you know a great cool '80s synthy soundtrack, which I think, as we know, makes anything so much better. Mm-hmm. Whether it be the Stranger Things credits mm-hmm. or a Nicholas Winding Refn movie or anything, mm-hmm. just give it that synth, San and Junipero. you're just like, you're just, yeah, San Junipero. Did you see the Orange's New Black? Parody I have not yet. <laughs> I can't wait. I saw the like thumbnail for it, and I can't oh, wait. Shit. Yeah. Um, so I wasn't able to see this one, but it is definitely going to be on the list of things I'm going to try to do when I stay home this weekend. Uh, it's the pick of the week, so I assume you're giving it a binge it. Binge it. And, uh, and as I said, guys, you can rent it on iTunes or mm-hmm. if you're in San Francisco, go check it out at the Roxy on 16th. And, uh, it is unrated, but probably what an R for language, violence, and sexuality. Yup. Uh, and that's it. 
Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe um, to this podcast that was not brought to you by Blue Apron. Jason is on Twitter at... Uh, Blue Apron Lover. Six, <laughs> no, um, excess Faggage. Um, you're going to say 69. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at Fight Balance, and all I do is uh, like people who are complaining about the presidency. Thanks so much. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Binging on movies with Rebecca and Jason. You made it to the end, that's amazing. There, there goes, goes the, the binge. binge.